there is joy in suffering. How is it possible? There is joy in suffering when we do it for others, when we suffer out of love. Love can only come from God because God himself is pure love. God loved us first, and God sacrificed his own son for us because he loves us. And Jesus, out of his love for all of us, gave his mother to us at the cross. Mary reminds all of us to suffer for others so we can all participate in the work of redemption. In Genesis chapter 2, God placed man in the Garden of Eden so he can till and keep it. God shared the work of looking after his creation with man. And I'm very certain that God wants us and God is inviting all of us to look after our fellow men and for all of us to make sure that we will all go to heaven. Today, I'm with Father Pio Idowu of the Marian Franciscans. My name is Ted, and this is the Cause of Our Joy podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Dear Lord, we offer you this activity today, this program, this podcast, through the heart of your most immaculate mother, we ask you that what we will be talking about today, our words, our thoughts, our actions, will all be for your greater glory, for the glory of our blessed mother, and for our own sanctification, and for the salvation of souls. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cause of Our Joy podcast. This is our Lenten episode. And to those of you who are very new to our podcast, Cause of Our Joy is a podcast about our Blessed Mother, Mary. Everything we talk about here is our Blessed Mother because and this is a gift for her. And this is not really to deify Mary. In here, we're not making Mary a god because she is not a god. We talk about Mary here because... As what St. Louis Marie de Montfort said, Mary is the surest and fastest way to Jesus. So Mary, our Blessed Mother, will ultimately lead us to Jesus Christ. Our guest today has lived, is, in, is living a consecrated life to our Blessed Mother and has given a lot of talks about Marian devotion. She is a Marian Franciscan. So my dear friends, without further ado, let's all welcome Father Pio Edowu. Hello, Father. Welcome to Cause of Our Joy podcast. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Father. So, Father, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Russia and Ukraine lately. Mm. And, you know, it made a lot of people go back to the Fatima message. And one of the key messages of Mary in the Fatima apparition was to suffer for other people. Now, I just want to quote 
some of these messages for the benefit of those who are unfamiliar with the, with the Fatima apparition. So my dear friends, on the first ever apparition of our Blessed Lady um, in May 1917, she said to the three shepherd children, do you wish to offer yourselves to God to endure all the sufferings that he may be pleased to send you as both an act of reparation for the sins with which he is offended and an act of supplication for the conver- conversion of sinners. And then on July 13, 1917, Mary said the same message again. She said, sacrifice yourselves for sinners. And Mary repeats the same message again in August, saying, make sacrifice for sinners, for many souls go to hell because there is no one to sacrifice and pray for them. Father Pio, you know, we can't even cope with our own daily struggles. Why do we need to do it for others? Why do we need to suffer for others? Um, it's part of this uh, mystery of, um, of redemptive suffering. So you have the fact that Christ you know, has suffered for all of us once and for all. So he has obtained um, the graces of redemption for us. But then he wants us also to be part of this is work of redemption. So he doesn't work alone. You know, he seeks collaborators amongst us. So he asks us to come and share in his sufferings, you know, to do our part for the salvation of, um, of our brothers, of our fellow brothers and sisters. So suffering in, in God's plan has, you know, has uh, a very salvific, a very high salvific, salvific value. You know, Our Lady at Fatima, she, she asked the children, do you wish to offer yourself to God to endure all the suffering that he may please to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and to ask for the conversion of sinners? And they immediately responded, yes, we do. That's true. You know? Yes, we do, uh, because uh, by special grace of God, they understood you know, that value, that salvific value of suffering. You know, if I unite my own sufferings with the sufferings of Christ, you know, I would also do my own part. I will contribute to the salvation of my own fellow brothers and sisters. So yes, suffering plays an important role in God's divine plan for the salvation of humanity. Father, in your previous reflection many years ago, um, it was online, you mentioned about, you talked about being a victim in relation to suffering. Mm. Father, could you just give us an overview of what a victim soul is? Okay, so a victim soul is, um, no, victimhood is something very, it's an element of the spiritual life, and you find it amongst souls that are very, very much advanced in the spiritual life. So you find souls who would willingly offer themselves up to our Lord to be used by Him, you know, for the salvation of, of others. But this is something that must be inspired by God. You know, a victim's soul, first of all, is someone who is specially chosen by God to suffer more than most people during life. And this person, this victim soul, chosen by God, will generously accept uh, this suffering, to suffer in union with the Savior after the example of Christ's own passion 
and death on the cross. So the initiative begins with God. Mm-hmm. But then the the soul then the soul then accepts it willingly and freely. It is not imposed on them. They are not forced to become victims, but they out of their own free will choose to accept this divine initiative. But there is a beautiful book by my sister Josefa Menendez titled The Way of Divine Love. And I'm sure you, you must have heard of it or some of your viewers would have heard of this book. You know, and it's, it's a diary of this, this holy sister who had apparitions from the sacred heart. You know? And Sister Josefa describes what it means to be a victim. You know, to be a victim implies immolation. You know, it implies atonement for someone else. So we think of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He was a, he was a victim for the salvation of mankind. He immolated himself on the cross and made atonement for our sins. And we too, we are called to imitate this example of our Lord. You know, we, in our own little way, without, mm-hmm. without, without um, arriving, without offering ourselves up as victims, but in our, in our everyday lives, we can always um, unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ. Even with in small our, things. Yes, even in small things, yes. even in little things. Now, in the little discomforts that we experience every day, in the headaches and sicknesses, the, the persecutions, the ridicule that we suffer from others, you know, and all of that, we can offer them up, unite them to the sufferings of Christ. And when these when these um, when these sufferings are offered up with love, they acquire uh, a meritorious value. You know? uh, we can then offer up these things for souls. So mm-hmm. I offer once when I was in the Philippines. Yes, when I was in the Philippines, uh, I met a woman who said that um, she was about to go for a conference. Okay. And then all of a sudden, she was uh, afflicted by coughs. So she was coughing. It would have affected you know, her, her speaking during the conference. So she made a deal with God. Every cough, you know, every cough that I make, you will release a soul in purgatory. After seven coughs, she stopped coughing because our Lord said it's too much. You know? you, the price of soul is very, very high and you cannot mm. just release souls just like that. So that was enough. What? Those that little thing, that little cough there was um, uh, offered up with love, you know, was very uh, valuable, meritorious in saving souls in purgatory. And we can do this every day with our fellow brothers and sisters. Yes. It also reminds me of St. Bernadette Subiru um, yeah. in, the, in the Lord's apparition. Our Blessed Mother told her that she will suffer while on earth. And mm-hmm. when she became a nun, um, the sisters in our co- congregation told her that, you know, they offered to bring her back to the Lord's and maybe she could also ask for healing. But mm. she opted to stay and she declined because she wanted to suffer for others. Yeah. Father, um, how is this similar, Father, to the dark night of the soul? Okay. Um, the dark night of the soul is something else. Because there, you pass through a phase where um, God purifies the soul of um, 
of all its attachments and sinful dispositions. So when you talk of victims, you talk of souls that are already much advanced in the life of sanctity. Yes. They've already gone through a period of trial and their love is already purified. Their heart is purified. So those those offerings they they make to our Lord is made out of a purity of intention. But for souls who still have to go through the dark night of the soul, they are souls who are usually beginners in the spiritual life, you know, but then have made such progress that God wants to lead them into the inner chambers of the castle of of the spiritual life. But to do that, they have to be purified of their of their sinful attachments, sinful dispositions and tendencies. So they go through this painful period of uh, expiation, painful period mm. of purification. Now, so the main purpose of the dark night is a purification of that soul. Now, it can be offered up, yes. yes. That painful experience can always be offered up. And in that sense... They, they, they acquire merits for souls, for themselves and for other souls. But you, can, you, you wouldn't classify them as victims. No, no. You wouldn't classify them as victims because there the main purpose is, you know, that's personal purification mm-hmm. and preparation for a higher calling, a higher mission. No. After that, then you could, then they could, then maybe God would then decide you no, know, God would then ask them, would you like to offer yourself up as a victim soul yes. for others? Yes. So there are two different things, victimhood and the purification of the soul. There are two different things, though they could always overlap. Other uh, redemptive suffering is something that is only very central and only talked about in the Catholic faith. And even, you know, without disrespect to many or many of our Protestant brothers and sisters, they would say that St. Paul wasn't really being Catholic in most of his teachings. I um, mm. just want to say that St. Paul talked about suffering for the body of Christ because he had a first-hand experience. And St. Paul has never met Jesus before his conversion. They never really met each other. And as we know, St. Paul persecuted a lot of Christians. And when St. Paul met Jesus on the way to Damascus, Jesus asked Paul, why do you persecute me? So Paul has never met Christ, but, you know, and and they never really had a physical encounter before that event. But Jesus clearly told St. Paul that he himself is being persecuted whenever his followers are being persecuted. Now, in in the letter to the, in, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he said that now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in, in, in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. Father, what does this Bible verse mean for all of us? Mm. Yes. So this is a text that can be very easily misunderstood. I agree. It's like as if, it's like as if you are saying that... Um, the suffering of Christ is, is, not, is not complete, was not sufficient for the redemption of humanity. And so there's something lacking. But this text should be understood in terms of cooperation in the sufferings of Christ. You know, suffering 
is a mission for all the faithful as a means of conforming ourselves to Christ in our sufferings, by uniting our sufferings to that of Christ, we cooperate with him in the work of redemption. Now, redemption, in, in, in this work of human redemption, we distinguish two stages, two phases. So the first stage is what we call objective redemption. Mm -hmm. This is the work which Christ accomplished on the cross. In other words, so the acquisition of all the graces of redemption. Someone has described um, redemption as the as the act of buying, no, buying. what is that buying some buying paying the price yes paying the price for someone's liberation okay paying the price for someone's liberation so you have to so that price uh, you have to this is what christ did in the objective redemption he obtained the graces he acquired the graces and paid it for us to be saved no and all of this was complete when christ died once no, and for all. On the cross, Christ redeemed the whole human race. He reunited us to God in the most complete way. And after that offering, that's that offering of Christ on the cross, there is nothing anyone can do to add to the infinite value of Christ's suffering Amen. and death. Yes. So that's the first stage, objective redemption. That is the acquisition of all the graces of redemption. But there is a second stage, and this is what we call subjective redemption. This is a stage where the graces already acquired by Christ are then applied to each individual soul. Yes. So this requires a cooperation of each person. I cannot be a saint if I do not correspond to God's grace. It's God's will for me to be a saint. Amen. But it will only happen if I correspond to his grace. Christ has redeemed us. Yes, he has opened to us the gates of paradise. But we can only enter if we ourselves actually walk through those gates. No, he doesn't pull us through the gate. We have to walk through those gates. So St. Maximilian says there are two things necessary for holiness, God's will and the human will. They have to correspond. And when these two correspond, you have holiness, sanctity. So when St. Paul is talking about completing what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, he is referring to that aspect of of us cooperating with God's grace. So St. Alphonsus de Liguori asked this question, was Christ's passion not sufficient in itself to save? And he replies, nothing was lacking in the value of his passion. It was more than sufficient for the salvation of all men. And yet, to have the merits of Christ's passion applied to us, we need to cooperate. We need to suffer patiently the toils and tribulations God may wish to send us, so as to liken us more closely to his son, Jesus. So what St. Alfonso de Liguori is saying here is, by uniting our sufferings to the sufferings of Christ, we achieve 
is identification and conformity with Christ. Mm. Yes, so one may ask also, how does one embrace suffering? Because the human nature, human nature runs away from suffering. That's true. How does one, yes. So the thing here is, it is only God's grace that can fill us with a love for suffering. Only God's grace, you know. He, he chooses us. He inspires us to, he moves us with that desire to be conformed to Christ, to unite our sufferings with him. And when we unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ, we too become co-redeemers, you know, in our own little way. Father, what you said reminds me about the divine mercy and uh, the most unforgivable sin is failure mm. to seek God's mercy. Father, you mentioned um, being co-redeemers, Father. Why do we call our Blessed Mother Mary a co-redeemer? And is it right for all of us to call her um, a co-redeemer, given the fact that, like you said earlier, we are saved by Christ alone? Yes, yes. So it's good to understand, first of all, what is co-redemption. So co-redemption is that term given to the act of cooperation in the work of redemption. So we have the one redeemer, Christ, who has redeemed us by his passion, death, and resurrection. The redeemer is the one who redeems. The co-redeemer, however, is the one who cooperates in the work of redemption. The term co-redemptrix is used to refer to Mary's cooperation mm. in the work of human redemption. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer who, by his passion, death, and resurrection, redeemed the human race from the slavery of sin. Mary is the co-redemption. Mary, Mary is the co-redemptrix because by God's will, she didn't, I mean, she, she didn't do anything to deserve being called co-redemptress. God chose her. It was God's will. He chose her to be a close collaborator of Christ in the work of redemption. So we've, we've distinguished those two stages of objective redemption and subjective redemption. The rest of us, you know, as co-redeemers, we cooperate in that aspect of subjective redemption mm. when we unite our sufferings to the sufferings of Christ. And in this way, we help to save our fellow brothers and sisters. No? But Mary, as co-redemptrix, she also cooperates in the objective phase. No? She unites, no? she, she, she played an active part in the acquisition of graces of redemption. Now you say, if that is the case, no, then Our Lady is equal to Jesus. Mm. No, in um, in this work of redemption, she 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 plays an equal role as Jesus, and that is the opposition that many have placed against this That's title true. of co-redemptrix. No, they say it gives the impression that uh, Mary is equal to Jesus. Christ and Mary are equals you know, in this uh, work of redemption. For example, when you speak of the co-signatories of a bank account, they have equal status. So using the term co, 
redemption? Doesn't it mean that Mary and Jesus you now have equal status in this act of redemption? But then one thing to note is that the prefix co comes from the Latin cum. cum. Yes, and it, it implies a secondary role, mm-hmm. a subordinate and dependent role. So Mary's role as co-redemptrix is secondary, subordinate, and dependent on that of Christ. Dependent on that of Christ. She plays a role in view of uh, the merits of Jesus Christ. She herself was redeemed by Christ you know, in a preventive way, in a preservative way. She was Imagine. redeemed by Christ. Yes. And uh, because she accepted to, to be God's mother, to be the mother of the Son of God, you know, at the Annunciation, she gave birth to the source of grace. She gave birth to him who was to be the redeemer of the human race. In that way, she also actively cooperates you know, in the acquisition of graces for souls. You know? Yes. So more or less, in a nutshell, you know, that would be an explanation of the title of Corredemptrix, Corredemptrix. Yes. Well, Father, most people who are against this role of Mary would ask if this is even biblical. And um, we go back to Genesis chapter 3.15, where it's clearly mentioned that the woman who is the mother of the one who will defeat the devil will play a great role in our salvation. And in the wedding feast at at Cana and at the cross, Jesus addressed our blessed mother, Mary, as woman. Okay, Mm -hmm. Not as mother, not as mama, not as mom, but as woman to acknowledge the fact that she is the woman of Genesis. Yes. Now, standing at the foot of the cross was the best proof that Mary co-suffered with Jesus. Would you like to add or comment on this, Father? Yes. Um, so there at the foot of the cross, you know, we, we, we should go back first of all to when Jesus was presented in the temple and uh, they met Simeon, the prophet. Yes. And Simeon said a few things. And one of the words he said was, the sword will pierce your own heart too. This sword of sorrow, which would pierce Mary's heart, happened at the foot of the cross. In that very same moment, when the lance also pierced the side of Christ. So Mary there, at the foot of the cross, she was not only a spectator, you know, watching Christ. She was also, in a certain sense, offering Christ as victim. You might have heard of um, the expression that Mary, in a certain sense, is um, was a priest. Mm. In a certain sense, because priests, of course, are those men who are consecrated for, you know, for uh, the purpose of offering up sacrifices for for others. But Mary there at the foot of the cross, she offered up the sacrifice of Christ. As his mother, she offered him up to God. Mm. And that was her altar. Yes, that was the altar there. Yes. Yeah, there on Calvary. Yes. 
So in that way, she's manifested as a corredentrix. She's not only standing there watching, she's actively participating in the sacrifice, offering up Christ as a victim for souls. And the body, which is, the body of Christ that is being sacrificed there on the cross came from our blessed mother. Amen. Yes. Father, we've talked about uh, a few things tonight, Father. You know, in my previous podcast episodes, I always say that there is joy in redemptive suffering. In fact, when I named this podcast Cause of Our Joy, I was actually thinking more of my own personal experience with regards to offering sacrifices to our Lord God. Father, redemptive suffering and Mary as co-redemptrix, what does this entail for all of us Christians? So we Christians, we are, you know, after the example of our Blessed Mother, who is a co-redemptrix, we are called to be co-redeemers, you know, in, in the body of Christ, for Christ, you know, just as Mary was. You know. Just as Mary accepted God's will for her vocation, you know, so we Christians, in our own way, we freely cooperate with God's grace, in our lives, we we conform to God's will. We unite ourselves to His manifest will, now, and we do our best to live our lives mm-hmm. according to His commandments. So, in this way, already we are cooperating with God's grace by taking up our cross every day and walking after Christ, following the footsteps of Christ. We too are co-redeemers. You know, and if maybe one day God will inspire us to a greater act of sacrifice, you know, he will also give us that grace you know, to offer, us, offer ourselves as victims. But in everyday life, in little things, we too can be co-redeemers. And this is very important for today's society where there is a rejection of uh, pain and suffering. It is important for us Christians and for the message of the gospel, you know, suffering is an important part of God's plan. We must learn to appreciate this. We see this in the passion of Christ. The passion of Christ teaches us in a concrete way that in the Christian, you know, in the Christian life, we must be able to accept suffering for the love of God. This is a very hard lesson for us, mm-hmm. which prefers pleasure and happiness. However, Jesus himself is the one teaching us this. We must learn to love suffering. This is a message for today, for today's society that rejects suffering, that wants to, that buries itself in pleasure. You know, we reject everything that talks about sickness, pain, and suffering. But yet, we must learn to appreciate the value of redemptive suffering. St. Maximilian used to say that the sick persons in the convent are those who are doing the greater apost- the greatest apostolate. They are the backbone of the apostolate because by their suffering, they are winning souls for Christ. They are giving, they are, they are acquiring graces and strength for missionaries who are out there preaching the gospel. No. So, I mean, missionaries go out there to preach, but they are effective in as much as there are souls, hidden souls, praying for them and offering up sacrifices for them. So, in our only two way, we too 
can contribute to this mission of the church to spread the gospel by praying, most especially by praying, and by offering up whatever little pain or sacrifice that we can offer up to God. Father, how can our Blessed Mother Mary help us embrace our sufferings? Um, I think it would be good to have to nurture that tender devotion to her. Yes, first of all, that tender devotion to our Blessed Mother will always be very helpful. Mm-hmm. She, she takes us gradually you know, through the stages of the spiritual life. She makes it easy for us. Agreed. makes it sweet for us and with mary we will come to love everything every aspect of the spiritual life we would come to love following christ we would love suffering you know the three children are always an example for us when they saw our lady they were inflamed with a desire you know to suffer for souls when our lady asked them do you wish to suffer for souls they said immediately Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So Our Lady will help us. First of all, we have to nurture that love for her. We have to go grow closer to her. And uh, the closer we get to her, the more she would open our hearts, you know, to that desire and love for suffering for souls. When you mentioned our Blessed Mother Mary makes everything sweet for us, there's actually um, a teaching of St. Louis Marie de Montfort in his book Through Devotion, um, and and he said that, um, you know, our devotion to our Blessed Mother will not spare us from sufferings, but what Mary will do for us, it will it will make sufferings sweet for us. Father, yes. do you have any final words? Um, all I would say is this. You no, know, Saint Pio of Pietrelcina, he used to say, uh, okay, something along the lines of love Our Lady and make her loved. Amen. Love Our Lady and make her love. And I believe this is the this is the aim of this podcast. It is. To love Our Lady and to spread love for our Blessed Mother. And yes, if souls come to acknowledge Mary's role in their spiritual lives, you know, they will reach the heights of sanctity. They will reach the heights of holiness. And we are praying for the triumph of the Immaculate. Now it's very we are very fortunate to have had the consecration of Russia. The Immaculate Heart. You know, we pray that this will be the beginning of a new era you know, in the church for us. Praise God. So my dear friends, the church through the years recognized Mary's unique participation and cooperation in the work of redemption accomplished by Jesus Christ. Mary's participation is with and under Jesus, with and under Jesus. St. John Paul II, in his uh, message or address to the people of Ecuador in 1985, said, Mary goes before us and accompanies us. The silent journey that begins with her immaculate conception and passes through the yes of Nazareth, which makes her the mother of God, finds on Calvary a particularly important moment. There also, accepting and assisting at the sacrifice of her son, Mary is the dawn of redemption, crucified spiritually with her crucified son. She contemplated with heroic love the death of her God. She lovingly consented to the immolation of this victim, which she herself had brought forth. My dear friends, Jesus did not come to remove suffering. Jesus came to perfect suffering through love. 
Jesus offered his life for all of us because he loves all of us. And Mary, through a number of different apparitions, has been telling all of us to suffer for others, to offer our sacrifices for others. Because it's never about our capacity to suffer, but how much love we have to suffer for others. So let's close this episode with the Hail Mary, my dear uh, Father Pio. Um, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you very much, Father Pio. Thank you to all of you, my dear friends. My, may God sanctify your Lenten sacrifices. We will see you again soon. And don't ever forget that Mary knows, Mary loves all of us and she keeps all of us in her immaculate heart. Ave Maria. God bless. Maria. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed with this episode, please click the subscribe button. Ave Maria.